0: Hello, welcome to episode 168 of Three Bears in a Movie. I'm Richard Laird. And I'm with Barry. Neil. Barry, we are once again separated. Um, yes. Not even looking at each other today with some technical issues. I mean we're doing this via our little tiny Zoom mic that you bought me so many years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: I'm. I'm now convinced the government is just secretly trying to keep us apart.
0: It does seem like that, so it leads us on to the, the fact that it probably won't be at the cinema anytime soon. Won't be at a, a bar anytime soon, as the Scottish government has pretty much said to lock down the entire Central Belt, which is about yes. three and a half million people, I believe. Um, as
1: we now all slowly eye up places like Fife and beyond for
0: the pint. I think Fife still counts as Central Belt, mate. Does
1: it? Uh-huh. oh well, there
0: you go. I oh, think it's it no. No, even like they're even shutting down Arden. Which in the Ireland oh, there's not any cases, and it's like you can isolate the island, but they're still saying no, you can't go to Aran. Yeah, to be fair,
1: quite
0: right because you know they would get absolutely hammered. So oh fuck yeah, totally aye But like, why why should people in Aran not be allowed to go for a drink in Aran, You know, if they're in Aran already.
1: Yeah,
0: you know, yeah. Se- seems kind of unfair. But anyway, um, yeah. So, I think it's
1: because I think it's because Aran's already got a drinking problem as it is. Oh yeah, so
0: yeah. I mean, <laughs> you, can really, you can only really drink or fuck on Aran and eventually get fed up. You fed up <laughs> with one of those things eventually. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, so we're doing this at home again via, via Zoom. Um, like I said, Scotland's going to back into lockdown. We're just having to ride that out again. The sad news as well, where our, our local cinema, our main cinema, um, Cineworld, is now shut down for the foreseeable future, by all accounts. It's yeah. been shut down until yeah. 2021. It's, it's went first. Yeah. I don't think it'll be the last to do it because I've heard now that a lot of Odines are now only opening at weekends. They're not opening yeah. during the week.
1: Well, that's what I was wanting to talk to you about. I think it's a very kind of like shady thing to like put, it, like Sinewell came out and put the whole entire blame on the industry for like pushing back movies, and you're like, where have you been for like the last seven months? It's like we're doing this all over the place. It's like you know, yeah, usually imagination.
0: Like, I'm no, I'm, I'm with you. But, but Bond and a few other films have been very stringently saying it. they're going to be releasing, they're going to be releasing. Yeah. They've like you know, Bond, Wonder Woman, Black Widow. They have mm. shifted to November or December... ...but they've been very committed to saying... ...we will be showing these films on these dates... ...we'll be having a cinematic release... ...and that's all going to go ahead... Yeah, ...it was just literally Bond announcing that... ...was sort of the final nail on the coffin of like... ...everything's now moving... ...we're not going to have anything mm. out... ...and that's why they had to sort of... ...take that decision to shut... ...I, I mean I don't like it... Um, ...myself... Yeah. But I can understand the reason behind it. They need these tentpole pictures to keep these places sort of viable to a great degree. Mm. Tenant was the one who tried to see how the place went, and essentially, tenant made okay money for the the environment it's in, but not Mm. enough to justify. You know, maybe they made about two hundred fifty, three hundred million. You know, they cannot release Black Widow or Wonder Woman and make three hundred million. They need to release that to make you know at least a billion. You know, that's what they're hoping for. You know, so. The fact that this is all happening um, and they're not making anywhere close to the money, is the final straw with the studios. Now, I hope what I hope the studios don't do is decide just to cut the loss and go fuck it. Let's just put it out on streaming services, you know, and charge them one twenty five oh. quid to watch it. Because that will just oh. kill. That will completely kill cinemas. Hopefully, what the cinemas are going to do, or the studios are going to do, is hold off and release it in twenty twenty one. Then cinemas can make a comeback. Hopefully, in like February March of next year. But if, yeah. start, but, if they, but if they all start if studios really all do start bricking it and just release mm-hmm. everything on streaming services, that will be the death of the cinema man. That that will absolutely destroy it because people just won't go. It's mm-hmm. it's yeah. so sad because like I've been to a pub since the lockdown, like since it all kind of reopened. I've been to a restaurant, I've been to a cinema, mm-hmm. and the place I felt safest was the cinema. It felt like it was a lot more controlled. It felt there like was a lot more yeah. understanding. The pub I was in, it was in the afternoon, but it still felt a little bit on edge, same with the restaurant, so it feels really sad that the cinema's a the place that's been hit the baddest, because people don't want to go, they feel it's a risk, whereas mm. I, th- I oh. honestly think a pub and a restaurant's a, a far greater risk than the cinema. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I have to agree with you. There, i have been to two restaurants. One of them, I feel, sketchy as fucking, and then the second one I felt a lot safer because they had actually moved a lot of tables away from the place. So, like, honestly, people were like, almost in a corner each, and was right. about it. Um, but, yeah, no, I totally agree. Totally agree. But it's... Yeah, I don't know. Like, I like the fact that Odin is... Uh, hey, Odin is still staying open at the weekend. Like, at least they're trying something. But how long that's... How long that sustains for is anyone's
0: guess. It can't sustain if all they're doing is shown old movies. People are only going to go and see Back to the Future and stuff like that for so long. <laughs> yeah, well, aye. They, all the big point, hits. Aye, they have come a point where need they need new material, and yeah. the new material that's coming out just now is indie films. And to be honest, the indie films are what I went. I love to see an indie film in the cinema, but the majority of the audience, the majority of people, don't go and see indie movies in the cinema. They go and see yeah. the big tentpole pictures. So. Like you know, these kind of smaller films getting released, just they're not going to get people going back to cinema in their droves. You know, something like even something like the Invisible Man, which was a really good success when it first came out. That's not getting you know Wonder Woman money or like Avengers style money. It's getting you know might get made for like ten million. It might make you know one hundred and fifty million, which is a great um, return for a studio, but it's not a massive return for the cinemas.
1: No, of course not. Because like you said, is that the audience that are going to see that are very small.
0: Yes. Exactly. So uh, yeah, so it it's kinda sucks that everything's happened. But hopefully hopefully like I said, hopefully all oh, I'm not camps there, but hopefully they find some sort of model that works where the cinema's can be kept alive. I feel to lose the cinemas entirely would be completely it's just be the wrong message to give to the to, you know, to the movie going public. The cinema is such a big part of the movie experience. To lose it would be just horrendous.
1: Absolutely, and also I don't really feel justified having to stick my hand back in my wallet again to pay like £30 for a movie on a streaming service that I'm already paying for
0: Yeah, that's it as well um, You know, something like Mulan for example came out on um, Disney. Disney and from, yeah, in yeah. All for all kinds of done okay but not fabulous um, mm. But I'm already paying like 6 £9 a month for Disney I really want to like spend another £20 for it You know, I really yeah. don't
1: Yeah, exactly
0: no chance. Yeah. Anyway. So that's a lockdown life in Scotland. The other thing we need to talk about is we always we now have to start doing again is the mighty Camel Lairds, who have started the league season. Um nice. and start and the league season in what can only be described as blistering fashion. <laughs>
1: um,
0: so they've played two games since we've since the season started. Um on Saturday they had a 3-0 win against oh, nice. Abbey Hutton United. Um, our man didn't score but did set up one, I believe, um, Luke Blondell. Uh, and on Wednesday night, they played Barton AFC and won 1 0 with a last minute penalty. So, so far, they are 2 for 2 in the season. And I feel that is the, the model we want to keep going. We want a, a full 100% season, no drop points, and just win the league at a canter. <laughs> Nice.
1: Yes, yes, that's sure. a good start to the season.
0: That's what we want. That's what we want. That's what we need. Our man played in the first game. He was on the bench for the second game. Um, hopefully, he gets it off the score sheet on the score sheet this week. I think this week's a cup game. Uh, we'll have to double check again. But yes, so very excited that the first two games of the season are two victories. Um, so yeah, so good start by Camel Laird. So we are very pleased with that, and we hope it continues. But we will now move on to what we usually talk about when this podcast, which is all things. Well, streaming now, because there's no cinema to go to. Um, <laughs> good so, damn cinema. Good damn cinema, yeah. So we start with Netflix, um, and the first thing we watched on this week was it's a documentary series, four-episode miniseries called Challenger, The Final Flight, um, directed by Daniel Young and Stephen Lickart. Um, so Daniel Young, he, he produced that, or he directed, sorry, remember that um, Lego documentary we watched? Uh, yes. Brickumentary yeah. or something, he directed that. And he also wrote the one called "Being Evil," which was all about evil Knievel, evil, which I've watched, and that's a pretty decent. Um, Stephen Lickart, he produced remember the Bill Gates documentary I think it was on Netflix recently, like was it "Being Bill" or "Finding Bill" or something. It was called the one all about Bill Gates. Um, inside Inside the Mind of Bill Gates, I think it was something like that. He he produced yeah. that. So they, so they've got sort of they're, they're very much documentarians, and they've been in the net they've been in the Netflix world for a lot of while. So this is a a Netflix produced series. Um, so we're yeah, oh, yeah. the final flight. As you can imagine, what it's all about is about the Challenger disaster, which happened in, I think, it was 1986, I want you to say, wasn't it? 84? 86, 84? Yes, but... 86. 86. Um, when the Challenger Space Shuttle took off and, after about 90 seconds, uh, blew up, on board were your usual astronauts, scientists, payload experts, but also the thing that sticks in people, everyone's mind about this one was, there was a, a young teacher who was going up. It was a sort of a PR um, Coup by NASA, he's saying, like, i send up an ordinary civilian to prove that anyone could do space travel, and she's going to teach a lesson <laughs> from space. Um, and unfortunately, she was obviously killed in it as well. Um, did you know much about Challenger beforehand? Were you sort of interested or are you I, aware of it?
1: I was aware of it, I wasn't too clued up on it. And um, as the kind of documentary reveals, that it kind of transpires that the rocket itself, or oh, sorry, the, the space shuttle, shall we say, yeah. the itself, it didn't actually disintegrate it kind of just like floated off and then eventually crashed into the ocean,
0: yeah.
1: so, and then they found all the astronauts and the teacher actually still inside it, yeah. so yeah, and I didn't know that bit, that was actually quite that was quite horrible to think that bit out.
0: Yeah, I think everyone kind of thought, I think that's the kind of idea everyone assumed that they thing just blew up and everyone just blew up and they were all, it was all run instant, but there is a they don't know for sure it there's a possibility that people, they, when it blew up, they were encapsulated in the capsule and it just sort of fell away. So they, they were sort of aware for the two minutes or so they were falling to earth that this was happening and something had gone completely wrong. Um, so but looking at the documentary. Like I said, four episodes. The first one, the, the, really, it doesn't really focus much on the disaster itself until about the final episode, really, isn't it? Or the, the tail end of the third episode. The first yeah. two episodes are yeah. quite nicely all about... Why NASA was doing this idea of putting someone in space, and um, why NASA was sort of, I kind of, lo- it was sort of kind of touching on the culture of NASA a little bit. You know, sort of they put a man on the moon, they had um, built, but then they had to try and make space travel viable. You know, because they were paying so much money on how much they were, you know, how, what they were doing, so they had to try and find a more viable way of making space travel. And that's when they obviously designed the shuttle. And, is this idea of, for a long time, America had sort of fallen away. You know, there was a sort of a sense that America was in a bit of decline. There was a bit of, was, I can't think of the word, sort of, people were a bit passive about it. Um, and this was sort of America trying to push itself back as this like, sort of scientific leader in the world. Um, and they turned to NASA to do that. Um, second episode is also more about the teacher herself christy mccauley it's all about you know her life and why she went for it and how she got the job in the first place and it's talking to everybody in her life and you know how happy and proud and all that kind of stuff they were of her the third episode is all about sort of the day of the launch and how it all went down and the sort of how it all ends and then the fourth episode is all about sort of the investigation and the aftermath of it and where nasa went beyond beyond this I, yeah. thought was, I thought it was, I thought it was pretty well structured. I actually enjoyed. I, th- I thought it was four, was four was enough episodes. I don't think we needed to make it any more. I think we've always said. No, I, th-
1: I think four was perfect. And yeah, like said, I liked the fact how it was more about the people and NASA themselves rather than just the like disaster.
0: You yeah, know? Um, I liked how it focused on the other um, astronauts in it because for a yeah. long time everyone just knew the Christine McCall. that was a kind of really tragic story of her passing away in it, but. It got you to know some of the other people who were on the on yeah. the flight. You know, you had like the was it the the guy who's like the, the physicist but also like a saxophone player and stuff like that and he was yeah. like Yeah like just fucking just like this absolute like sort of completely legend. unique I uh, just unique legend of a guy who's like sort of he was a great scientist, a great like sort of engineer, but also played like saxophone and sort of like in these sort of like funk Jazz bands, and it's like sort of he had this kind of real kind of like Ron Swanson this about him, you know, sort of this <laughs> like other life. and I thought that I, I would never have known that. And he had the stuff about um, was it the pilot who got bumped from the mission twice because of like basically congressmen going up in flights? Remember, it was like sort of yeah, yeah, and That's it's like right. you know, because the, the congressmen who were ex like Navy pilots and stuff like that, they all wanted to go up in space and prove that they could do it. And all of a sudden, he, he kept getting bumped. And the one he finally got was the Challenger mission, so he obviously. You know, there's a lot of resentment there. Um, mm. I liked a lot of the footage. I'm, I'm a big NASA junkie. I love everything, about NASA. I'm very obsessed with everything mm. NASA esque. But with a lot of footage in this I hadn't seen before, which I thought was really good. They actually found some rather than just replaying the disaster over and over again. And the NASA mm. stock footage. They would found sort of like a lot of home video and a lot of, sort of behind the scenes stuff that kind of added a personality to everybody on the flight, which I thought was yeah really strong. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I liked the. The one that sticks in my mind is the footage of the two astronauts outside the shuttle in the front window waving. Right.
0: That is, that is when, at one point, the, the door jammed or something, and basically, they're bringing in like hacksaws and shit. Like it's like it's very low tech, or some guy just smacking away at it with a hammer and stuff like that. I feel like it feels like NASA should be more. Sort of inventive and more, you know, sort of clever than that. But no, essentially it gets the point. That it's just a guy with a hammer battering fuck out it, and then they bring in a hacksaw. And you're like, oh, ah, yeah. so essentially that they are all just engineers, and they find a problem, they fix a problem. That's kind of the the way they do it.
1: But uh, it was like that other thing that got stuck in my mind about like I don't know if it was NASA per se, but there was some sort of thing where uh, some space. Company spent like millions upon millions designing some sort of like writing instrument that could work in space because they realized pens weren't very good in space yeah um and then it was like russia just brought a pencil and it worked that, perfectly that's a
0: it's a bullshit story it's a great story but it's oh, a bullshit a, story yeah it's oh. one of the stories that sort of floated around at one point you know why communism is better than um you know uh, capitalism because capitalists will spend, you know, a hundred million dollars trying to invent a pen that works in zero G, where the Russians yeah, use yeah. a pencil. Um, it's, yeah, it's it's unfortunately a bullshit story. It's a great. It's a, it, it does sum up you know what you know kind of the Russian mentality towards things. But yeah, apparently it's a completely BS story. American American pilots in space never use pens; they always use pencils as well. Ah, oh, there you go. I know it's annoying. Um, <sighs> The only thing I would say is, like, another episode may have been handy to explore NASA's sort of going forward because um, the cover-up was, they kind of briefly, they kind of really kind of moved over that very quickly, the cover-up aspect mm-hmm. of it. And then the fact that NASA did get, NASA from all the time, doesn't really learn any lessons from this. Yeah. You know, because it happened, you know, 15 years later with the Columbia disaster, when something mm-hmm. that could have been fixed and should have been fixed wasn't. And that's where it really gets to the point with the, the Challenger disaster—the thing that happened—it wasn't a catastrophic failure because of just something that went wrong they could never predicted. They knew about this problem. They knew this was an issue, yeah. And they didn't fix it. Mm-hmm. So it would have been quite interesting to see how NASA did change. And indeed, what slipped? Why did they suddenly decide to throw away all their old, you know, to, to, to decide to not, you know, follow through with what they've been doing to try and fix problems? And just again, is it one of those things? Is it budget over? you know, safety, you know, because of the idea that they had to make space commercial, you know, they had to get, like, yeah. like, they were looking at, like, a launch every month at one point to try and get, like, one Yeah, samples. well, that's
1: what I was going to say, yeah. like, it definitely seemed that way to me. It was because they had promised, like, the, uh, the government that they could have, like, a, a launch, like, every month, uh-huh. and that's why when they knew about the O-rings being really fragile, well, brittle, uh-huh. in, like, cold uh, weather, it's like they still persisted on trying to
0: fly it not yeah. in like late October, and you're like, man, I'm not a rocket scientist, but even I fucking know that's a bit stupid. Yeah. Um, but overall, I thought it was a really solid series. I liked it. Um, it had enough for me as a NASA, a NASA aficionado who really enjoys and read a lot about NASA in the past like sort of 20 years. Um, yeah. I think equally for someone like yourself who sort of just had very brief notes of what the Challenger was and things like that, it, it, it brought that open, and, and, but it wasn't over on you it wasn't giving you too much information it allowed you to understand what was happening and and things like that so um i thought i actually think it's a really decent documentary for like sort of it will it will satisfy your nasa sort of enthusiast and equally the person itself is more of a passive and has only seen little you know yeah i thought i thought it was really good for that in that way yeah i actually yeah
1: i i think in the same i also quite like the fact that um you got to learn about that little house down at the front of the beach as yeah. well, where all the families go. Uh, and then it showed you all the cat kind of pictures from that like uh, night as well. And I thought that was really nice. It kind of really made you kind of realise that hey, these folk are just normal humans, even though they're scientists and, and NASA pilots and all the rest of it. They are still human at the end of the day and they still have families and all the rest of I,
0: it. I think that's what I got from it more than anything else, was the the idea that people was people as opposed to as they are portrayed as like you know scientists and sort of these like sort of bigger than life people ultimately they are all just family you know family people you know they all have kids they all have wives and children and you know and then they all just and and they talk about them at the end of it you know and the, those who passed away like they talk about the guy the was it the, the japanese um, american guy you know the one who, who from japanese mm. parents you know how silly and funny and how he and, and how he what you know how he he enjoyed being silly with people and obviously, you don't get that from the pictures. You know, you don't get that from like a, you know the NASA publicity pictures because they're all very, you know, professional and stoic. You know, to try and you know show how professional they are. But you, you lose a yeah. bit of the personality of everybody involved in that. And, and I think this documentary allowed you to see the personality of a lot of people who were on that flight. And, I, and for that, I, re, I really enjoyed it. Um, and for that, respect, I thought it was good. To, like I said, they didn't just focus on the teacher, who obviously is a, it was a massive. Part of it, and then probably a an even more tragic element of it. But there, there was another like, sort of nine people on that flight, you know, who were killed uh, in the same way. Um, but no, I really, yeah. I, I thought it was a really interesting, well done documentary. Only fifty minute uh, long episodes as well, so I felt you could watch it all in pretty much one sitting. And just it was a nice, it was a good, solid watch as well.
1: Right, absolutely, absolutely.
0: Out of ten,
1: uh, I'm giving that a solid
0: eight. Yeah, I'm, I'll, I'll go with seven. It's all seven out of ten. Really enjoyable, decent documentary. Mini-series format suits it really well. Absolutely worth, absolutely worth your time. Especially if it can be like a really rotten Sunday night or Sunday afternoon and it's pissing mm-hmm. down the rain. But it'd be nice just to sort of sit down and watch that for a few hours and pass some time. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, from that, we move on to an Amazon... documentary well, One it's on Amazon. Um, it's not made by Amazon, it's available on Amazon, called Anti Novel League. Uh, we Are The League. Um, directed by George Hinkton, um, who directed a documentary on Spandu Ballet called Soul Boys of the Western World. Um, the plot of this one is just about essentially the punk band from sort of. Where is it? It's from London, isn't it? So it's sort of a wee town outside ah, London. Yeah. yeah, a
1: wee town just outside London. Uh, called
0: so called the Anti Nowhere League, who were a punk band from sort of the early 80s, sort of 70s, 80s, weren't they? and um, yes. Who became notorious for just being kind of being really shit, essentially, <laughs> but be, <laughs> but embracing the punk ethos in, in every way. Um, so you get it's really just a, it's usually just an oral history of the band um, with archival footage and sort of just telling their story. Um, mm. Did you know of the Anti League before this documentary?
1: I knew a little. Tiny bit about it. It's one of those bands that's like you know of them, but you don't really know a lot about
0: them. You recognise the logo because it's a great name, and I knew a couple of songs because Metallica covered a couple of their songs. That's kind of Mm. my knowledge of them came from the fact that I knew other bands had covered them. Mm. Um, So I didn't really know much about them. So I was intrigued to see what this was. Um, What do you think of it?
1: I enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh,
0: We are both punk punk fans, so we'd we'd probably get something out of it. Yeah,
1: exactly. Say, uh, I I do enjoy like most music documentaries. It's uh, it's always good to like hear the kind of stories of how it was back in the day. You know, mm. where people just generally having way too much fun mm. on the road. Yeah, because um, obviously nowadays the business is a bit more serious, and bands do actually need to turn up sober-ish. To that yeah, to actually play a good concert. You know, because oh. obviously that's how they're making the money now. Um. But yeah, I, th- I thought this was a really well put together documentary. It was funny how it would like sometimes interject where somebody would say one thing about a certain situation, and then somebody else would say almost not completely different, but yeah. like a slightly different what they remember of the
0: situation. I like one guy so goes, "There was like five hundred people there." you he's the that guy going, "There was 50, You know, it's like <laughs> what those kind of things? <laughs> I turn up at two o'clock, he turned up at seven. You know, it's like it's just, it's just sort of, yeah. Um, yep. Did
1: you take
0: from it? I thought it lacked a lot of originality. I thought I, I got quite bored of it because it was just literally a series of Talking Heads. You know, there wasn't really mm. much to it other than that. Some archival footage in there, but there wasn't really anything to set it apart and make it interesting. So,
1: yeah, that that's the one thing I will say. It was lacking a lot of footage. I yeah. don't know if just people didn't bother us filming them back then, but uh, it seemed to be a lot of a. Kind of, there was some pictures, way, and then they would just keep on showing that same kind of live clip from uh, 87, I think it was.
0: Uh, yeah.
1: And that was really
0: about it. Aye. So, that's what it felt. it felt. It felt kind of dull. You know? so, so at that point, what you could have done, if you had the budget, and this probably didn't have the budget, was... Maybe you do something like maybe you do some sort of like maybe animatic of the band playing yeah. or something like that, or you know, you do something sort of, of animation to try and sort of fill in the gaps and fill in the blanks, or even do some sort of reconstructions and stuff, or how you do something something along those lines. But they didn't yeah. really do that, and it just felt like it was it just jumped from head to talking head to talking head to talking head. And somebody, like I said it was funny when like one would contradict the other one, but it never mm. really galloped my interest. After the first maybe like 40 minutes, there didn't really seem to be much about it, on the fact, it was a band who. They had a, they had one hit because it was basically they, they got a hit because it was banned once the, hit, mm. the song's not that great but because it got banned it became huge to some degree mm. that was basically all it was um, then they sort of started believing their own hype they released an album that was quite promisely like atrocious by all accounts mm. the sound of it yeah, yeah. Um, and absolutely not what a punk band would do yeah that kind of weirdly. 80s new wavy synth pop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um Bad Legend, I've got an album like that, actually, it's a sort of very weird synth pop album as well that they've done um, in the eighties as well. Yeah. If, if you have a chance to find it, it's definitely it's a departure from their um, the usual <laughs> stuff. Um, yeah, I know. but it just it just felt really boring a little bit at times. I, I knew what it was, because you know they're not big now, so you know just basically went from mm. you know what it was to what they are now. Um, also Something and a doc, and you make a documentary. You have to find some sort of love for the people involved in it. So like, mm. when when you watch the Lemmy one, so the Lemmy mm. one, you kind of go, Lemmy is an absolute maniac, but he's fucking charming as hell, and you do kind of you do kind of root for him. You know, yeah. same as some of the ones like the uh, the ZZ Top one we watch as well. You go, they the all of them are pretty crazy, but they all have a good heart. But it's saying you know they do want to do good and they do. They enjoy what they're doing and they love, and they kind of love what they're doing and they love making music. I didn't get that from any of these fuckers. I just thought they were all absolute assholes. to be honest. Like, and maybe that's the persona playing up to, but they're now like 60 year old men being assholes. And you feel like, ah, oh, uh, be a bit it, 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 sorry, man, you go. It was
1: when it was when, were, uh, when the new band members were saying how that. Like, uh, it, it must have been either last year or the year before whenever this was filmed, it was like the lead singer was still like punching fans in the face for like throwing drinks at them and Aye. all that and they're just a bit like, uh, yeah, like you said you're yeah, an old guy, like <laughs> maybe I mean,
0: just on the stage persona I get that, you know, because bands, that's the thing you know, you go to these gigs, you expect the band to behave like that and that's what you want, but it's just even when they're talking to the camera, the one who was like sort of the original bass player, I think it was the one mm. who's sitting there and he's like He's got you're an arsehole and you absolutely know they all voted for Brexit. They all hate foreigners and you just kinda of go Oh, you seem like a bunch of dicks, honestly. Yeah. Um and they didn't and none of them seemed to enjoy what they were doing. No, you no, know, They did it because it couldn't be asked doing anything else. Whereas like other documentaries, <laughs> like yeah, the bands do it because they love it and they chase that music like musical dream. These guys had really very little musical talent and they just felt like a bunch of arseholes who just didn't want to embrace real life, which I guess that's what most musicians are like to some extent. But then they were really shitty to their drummer for no reason on the fact he looked different. That was... They could have explored that more, but they didn't he sort of, you know... He didn't know about it, how you know they're doing this shitty stuff to to be racist, essentially, towards them. And it yeah. felt like it's, it just... Nothing about the, the band members now made me think, oh, you're a bunch of good guys, I'm glad you're... You know, getting this kinda of moment to reveal your life. I feel like, nah, nah all this is kinda of like just dickish to be honest. Yeah. The only thing
1: the only kind of nice positive thing I took from it was I quite like it when these older bands like when the original cat kind of band members kind of fade away or, or pass away or whatever. It's like the band still continues with like kind of these other musicians Aye. as long as like, they
0: can't lead the singer is still there you know I think that's what they're saying like, he, the lead singer is sort of like as long as he's the main guy they can sort of basically just sometimes the bass player will play with him sometimes he doesn't They just have another one drafted in and occasionally it just depends who's available they've like they've like 20 different kind of rolling members of like guys who sort of play with a band depending on how they're feeling about going on tour that year essentially it seems like I think yeah. Stiff Little Fingers do that as well don't they they basically have like about 20 people who are eventually who just sort of rolling in out of the band depending on Yeah who's there's
1: quite a few there's a quite a few like older bands and yeah, just bands in general that have that kind of style of line up so Dead Kennedys one band do that, that now as well, the don't they Who's her?
0: Dead Kennedys are sort of like that now as well aren't they so just sort of a rolling yeah, yeah, repertoire of people Yeah they're yeah Yeah um, but I just can make, sorry go on man
1: can make for int- sorry I was just going to say can make for interest the in, uh, concerts you know because every time you see them you're potentially getting that kind of different style of show sometimes it might be a bit sloppy or sometimes it might be like really tight and
0: aye. well done aye, and sometimes, sometimes what I find when you see bands like that I've seen a few bands who it's like sort of newer members with like an older lead singer or, or maybe one old member two old members of the band and three new members you always find that sort of the newer guys are a lot tighter than the, the older yeah. guys and, and almost the newer guys are Kind of almost covering up for them a little bit, you know, trying to make them sound better because they've kind of lost a wee bit of their mojo, mm. essentially. Yeah, yeah. Um, right. but yeah the documentary—it's not a bad one. Like, I think if you're if you're a fan of the band or a fan of punk music generally, I think you'll enjoy it to some degree. You know, you and to see this, you know, what punk was to what punk is now are, are two very different things. You know, it's, it's yeah. very much been punk has been bought and sold for the most part. There's very few sort of I would, classes. Proper punk bands anymore, you know. Most of them yeah. signed up to big record labels, and they don't quite have the same um, sort of ability to shock the establishment as they once did. Um, you know, rap artists seem to do that more now, and even who was that, yeah. a, um thingy? Of the Stallion is now more shocking than most punk bands. Uh, yeah. you know, than than they used to. You know, punk used to be the ideal that you would scare the shit out of people. <laughs> people don't really scare the shit out of punk bands anymore. So it's interesting to see where, see where punk at least began and started and that's what it was um, but beyond that I think it's not got much for like, like a casual fan I don't think we can, and then and someone who's not a fan of punk wouldn't get much from it like yeah. I think like you said you can watch like a country music documentary like or even just a rock one like that's easy. You, you'd no idea like, you'd really know knowledge of ZZ Top but you enjoy yeah. you, you got something from the Easy Top documentary I think if yeah. you're not a fan of music documentary generally you wouldn't Get much from this? You would be no. kind like, of like, no, I'm, I'm not really. I'm bored. I'm not interested.
1: I think that is the problem when it's based on purely just talking head yeah. kind of footage, you know. Uh, and it does. It relies on like interesting stories, but the stuff they were doing it wasn't really like that, like groundbreaking either. Because there was also like other bands round about that same time doing the exact same thing and doing it better. And if I if it wasn't for Metallica covering so what, I really do believe this band would have fell off the radar like very like years and years ago. And yes. I think it would have been just one of those bands that would have been lost to time. Ah
0: uh-huh. but they might pop was, up on like I... they pop up in compilation albums now and again, but yeah, if it wasn't for Metallica, they would literally have been forgotten by everyone. I, I absolutely believe mm. that. Yeah, yeah. Um out of ten, what are you giving it? Uh,
1: I'm gonna give it seven. Purely just because of the talking head angle and the lack of,
0: like, actually, like, any sort of footage from back then. Yeah, I'm giving it a very average five and a half. Oh. Yeah, wasn't it's been on my list for a long time and I, I, I was thinking, why did I not watch this sooner? And I watched it and I'm going, yeah, I really, I didn't watch that as soon as I thought yeah. I would do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But yeah, so on from that on to the last film of the week, which you've not seen, so I'll be very quickly on this one, which is a film called Lost Girls, uh, which is directed by Liz Garble, who directed Billy Fisher Against the World, Love Marilyn, What Happened to Miss Simone on Netflix. She also directed the one on Amazon called All In, The Fight for Democracy, which we'll get to next week. And also she's done like most of the episodes of that I'll Be Gone in the Dark TV series, which I'm assuming your good lady has watched, because it's all about... Murder and Death, so I'm assuming she watched yes. that. Yes. Yeah. Aye, I th-
1: yeah, I think she has
0: actually watched it. I think she just finished it the other day, to be honest. Yeah, I feel it's, I feel it's interesting because like, I, I, I'm intrigued by it because I know it's, uh, it was Pat Oswalt's wife who wrote the book about it. She was sort uh, of one who, so I'm kind of intrigued to watch it um, to see what it's about. But anyway, um, the plot of this film, it's all about um, a bunch of young girls keep going missing in this sort of kind of nicer area of town. Um, but they're all prostitutes who go missing, so no one really seems to give a damn. Um, one yeah. of them goes missing and their mother starts to basically investigate it further as to you know what kind of cover-up there is and why the police have been so lazy about investigating um, the mother of these these women. Um, it's based on a true story. You've got Amy Ryan from Gone Baby of Gone playing the mother. You've got Tom Mackenzie from uh, Jojo Rabbit playing the... The sister of the girl who goes missing, uh, Gabriel Byrne from *Who's Your Suspect*? He pops up in it as the main police detective, and Dean Winters pops up in it as well. So, this is something—it's—it's it's retreading old ground. It did not bring anything new to the genre whatsoever. You know, so it, it is, it, you can—you can hundred you can percent see this film for what it is from almost the moment you start watching it. You know, it, there's, there's nothing really particularly groundbreaking about it so from that respect when you're watching it it does feel comfortable there's nothing really that shocking in it because of that which I thought was a bit of, of a shame I feel like some, this is you know you're talking about you know murder and killing you feel like you should be you know more invested in it and for the most part I really wasn't because it felt so treading all ground and um, the main characters in it sort of they're, it's, they're all fine they're all good actors they all done well there's nothing bad about the performances but it's all performances you've 100% seen before. Mm. You know, there's nothing in it that you've go, oh, my God, that's so new and so interesting. You've seen it, every part of it before. Um, it has a lot with that film we watched, Aftermath, one with, like Arnold Schwarzenegger, the one about him. Yes. It's yeah. got a wee bit of that about it in the sense that it's all about, you know, this person trying to sort of come to terms with, her, with what's happened. Um, mm-hmm. And that one we saw about the... Women in America try to. Can't remember that one now. It's annoying me now. But she was trying to find out. You know, she was trying to deal with the passing of her daughter. You know, and how. um, You know, she didn't didn't go investigating. Just trying to deal with the fact her daughter had been murdered, and 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 she was trying to raise her grandchild. Remember that one? Watched that maybe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, had that kind of feel about it. But nowhere as interesting as any of those two. Um, It does feel more like a TV movie, very suited for Netflix. um, And there's there's no real conclusion to it. There is no sort of resolution, which is a bit of a shame. So yeah. you do feel sort of open-ended at the end, and because of that, I think that's why it wasn't like a, a mini-series, because I think in a mini-series you'd always need you need a conclusion to it more. This basically had a, had a kind of coda at the end of it that tells you what happened at the end, and you're going, oh, is that it? And this is what annoyed me more about it. I think the family of the girl who was killed are involved in the making of this film, so at the end of it they just sort of plant something on the screen going basically convicting this guy and basically indicating he killed her, when he might have done, but it's not been proven. It's not if there's no trial to prove that he did kill the person, and you feel like you can't just fucking drop that bombshell at somebody at the very end of the film. Go, oh by the way, and person X we know killed this person. It's like you can't fucking do that. You've got mm. you know that just that destroys his sort of reputation and his and his world. You know, yeah. if there was everything. Especially if, sorry, especially if there's not been a trial or nothing. Uh-huh. you know. It basically, it'd be like someone did a documentary, and it then he's going like Barry Neal killed this person. You're going like fuck up, like what? You know, regardless, oh. if you th- regardless if you think I might be guilty or not, you've got you can't just drop the fucking bombshell and say, oh, he is guilty. We know that for a fact. And that's a whole you know, this whole trial yeah. by media thing, and the whole thing. I mean, it happened in that Tiger King thing as well. That oh. was edited in a way that they basically pushed the fact that she killed her husband. Now she might have killed her husband, but you can't just fucking go about saying that she did kill her husband. There's no, you can't, you can't. You're not there to sort of. Put something in a mass media that pushes that angle. That's up to the, that's up to sort of the relevant departments to, to to investigate properly. You know, trial by media. I think it's, it's a horrendous thing. Um, and that was generally it, yeah, man. It's just it, it's a solid enough thriller, but it just it feels just such you're you're treading over such old ground that you know so yeah. well that it doesn't really feel that interesting. You know, it's I, th- I think Stacey might enjoy it to some degree because she's in she is into all that kind of like. True crime stuff, so mm-hmm. she she'll probably enjoy it. Um, but me and Jill just thought a little bit. I'm I'm, I'm a bit done with the sort of true crime, essentially. Um, yeah, I
1: know. I, I feel like that was like Netflix's one one trick pony for yeah. like way too long. Yeah. It's like you need to move past these crime things. Yeah, it's like everyone's mad for crime uh, podcasts and all that, but uh. you like you need to bring more substance to your platform because if not, it end up getting very bored very quickly.
0: Yes. I don't know if Netflix put this out as an original. I think it may just be something they bought, but it does feel very much in the Netflix genre over, you know, like something they would they would produce. Um, mm. So like I said, if you're into the, again, much the same as the, the punk one, if you're into sort of true life crime and you want to see that, it's it's a, it's a perfectly passable example of it and everyone, in, everyone who acts in it is, is acting very well because they're all very good actors. But there's absolutely nothing that makes you go, this feels very original and even, you know, sort of more engaging than the other four true crime dramatisations you might see, you know, this week. They're all very, very similar. And this this one feels very much of, it feels like cookie cutter. You know, they know exactly you know exactly what the beats are going to be, when they're going to be, how people are going to act. And it, just, it just, it felt, I wouldn't say lazy, but it felt like I've just seen it all before and nothing made it stand out to me whatsoever. Yeah. It's a bit of a shame because yeah. I, I like her a lot work. She does a lot of documentary work and her work's really good. Um, mm-hmm. And this is probably one of her first, maybe maybe one or two, in the past when she's drilled into like drama rather than documentary. So we can intrigue to see what she did. Um, she definitely she, like the director puts a decent, you know, stab at the tone and everything. In the place there's nothing. It's all well done. It's all well shot. It's all well structured. But you've seen it all before. And that's, if you're into it, then you'll like it. If you're not into it, then you won't like it. But we can see that about any genre. You know, if you like Westerns, every Western's exactly the same to some degree. You know, yeah. so as if you as if you like that style of film, you'll enjoy this one. But if not, you'll probably like I'll it. probably pass you over.
1: Three beers in a movie.